I'd like for you to help me sing it. If you don't know it, that's fine. I'm not trying to sing a solo per se, but as I said, there's those moments that you 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 kind of walk down in songs you haven't heard for a while, and they just they do something to you. And I know there's no way if you've ever heard, and 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 for some of you it goes back ways. If you ever heard Brother Hugh Rose, he's the one that does this song justice. I can't, but it it fits so perfectly with what I want to talk to you about today. And I, I want to invite you, like I said, if you can sing it with me, I would appreciate that immensely. But I want you to listen to the writer of this song, how he describes the Lord. We've heard the old, or the old newer songs, rather. We've heard the newer songs. He's my healer. He's my deliverer. He's my savior. He's awesome. Sometimes I like pulling from the old English words and sing like this. Down from his glory, ever living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Think about it. Born in a manger. To his own a stranger, a man of sorrows, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him! Dwelleth 
Flesh and blood, his substance. He took the form of man, revealed the hidden man. Oh, glorious mystery, the sacrifice of Calvary. And now I know thou art the great I am. See, oh, how I love him, how I adore him. My bread, my sunshine, my all in all. condescension. Chances are that's not a word you've used lately. And, and in reality, Brother Sorrels, when I, I looked up that word just to make sure I understood it, it, it holds, in, in the normal vernacular of man, it holds a very negative connotation. Have you ever thought, man, someone's been really condescending to me. They've talked down to me. We always, or at least perhaps I do, I always use that in a negative term that, you know, someone thought they were better than I and, and so they spoke down to me. Have you ever had that happen to you? I, it's not something I really enjoy. But uh, when you take it in terms of the Lord, it's totally different because He is having to talk down to us. He is having to come down to us. And, and I, I, when I give you my sermon title, really all I could probably do is just tell you the title and then have an altar call. It's that simple. But I want to just for a moment talk about the great I am and the who am I. The great I am and the who am I. If you have your Bible, would you turn with me to the book of Psalms chapter 8. I, I danced over many of something of, of verses this morning and even in the songs that were sung, it was all just kind of dancing around this, this message tonight. And so you'll hear some same verses and that's okay. But I, I like what it says. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. For out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of mine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. And this is where we kind of talked a little bit. When I consider the heavens, the works of thy fingers, 
The sun and moon are the sun and the stars which thou hast ordained. What is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visited him, you've made him a little lower than the angels and hath crowned him with glory and honor. You made him to have dominion over the works of thy hands and put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air and the fish of the sea and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. As I preached a few weeks ago, in, in the beginning of our series on the book of Hebrews. First and foremost, this is about uh, David, King David, and it's about humanity. And then Hebrews took it a little bit further and talked about the humanity of God, Jesus Christ, that flesh and blood that walked on this earth. But in reality, it says it best. Who, what is man, or who am I? Who am I, God? You are mindful of me. Steve, I know I've, I use you for some illustrations here and there, but it's because you have some good things to say. You were in the water as we got done, and you made that statement just like I read. Who am I that God would care to visit me with his mercy and grace? Who am I that God would ever care to step into my life that I ruin and I mess up and I throw things to the wind? Who am, who am I that God would ever say, I'm going to come down to where you are so that one day you might come up to where I am? Who am I? Too many times we talk about the who am I, but you need to get your focus off the who am I and get your focus on the I am. I, I am I, if I had a dime for every time somebody in my 37 year old life has told me that, that I, I'm, I've sinned too much God could never forgive me and, and I'm un, I understand that, that, that precept, that concept but can I just take you outside of your little old box and show you a God that's higher than you and greater than you and, 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 and has all knowledge and power and to be honest he can do what he wants to do I may not understand it. Could I take you back? We, we, we started at the end of that, that moment this morning where, uh, where, where Moses leaves that mountain and he goes home to Jethro and he says, let's, let's go, I'm going to Egypt, I've got a call of God. Let's back up a moment. It's Moses who's wandered for 40 years in the desert. He's ran from, his, for, from Egypt for his life. He knows there are those after him that want to kill him. And, and he, he doesn't understand everything. He sees that God had a hand on his life from the very beginning. And that little ark of bulrushes floating down the river. He sees the hand of God in his birth mother, his biological mother, raising him until a certain age. He sees the hand of God that led him through the courts of Pharaoh. But now... This man is without a country, without a home in the wilderness. He finds lodging with Jethro and, and in that he marries his wife Zipporah. But he's just a shepherd. There's no thought of God save me for a purpose. There's no thought that I deserve anything. In Moses' mind, he's still a murderer. In Moses' mind, the guilt of what he's done or, or how he's ran lays on him each and every day. And so in the solace of a wilderness experience, in the solace of just tending sheep on the backside of nowhere, it's easy to get lost in the mundane things of life. And he's there and suddenly a bush catches his attention. If you've ever, you know, 
if you stay outside long enough, you're going to find some pretty cool things. There's a lot of stories that you may hear of, now, now don't get me wrong, hunters and fishermen and golfers, we tend to stretch things a bit, all right? But, but can I just tell you that if a person has golfed enough in their life, they're going to see some incredible shots. If a person has been on the water, they're going to find some pretty cool things. If you've hunted enough, you'll see things that no one would ever have seen. I love the outdoors. I've, I've been shooting my bow. When, when I lived, when I was a, a teenager, I was shooting my bow and arrow in the backyard, and I would do that every day, and, and, and we would play. I was always outside, and I remember when we, my dad always had bird feeders, and it was real close, and I'm shooting, and there's birds all around the bird feeder, and all of a sudden a hawk swooped down, and about two feet from my head obliterated this poor little bird. I was like, man, and I kind of went, ha, and the hawk dropped the bird, and the bird flew off. He kind of flew funny, but he flew off. I've seen hawks chase squirrels around trees, things you've never seen. Moses has probably seen some things that were hard to explain. Maybe he had seen some weather phenomenons that not just anybody had a chance to see. He had seen the torrent of rain and the majesty of the weather. That burning bush was like no other. And he sees that burning bush and it, it arrests his attention and he gets close. And there you, you have out of that, that bush, the Bible says God called to him. I can only assume that Moses somehow recognized this as God. Because for God, the Lord said, Moses, Moses. And his response was, here am I. He said, take off your shoes. Don't come any closer for the place on which you stand is holy ground. Moses, I'm the God of your father Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses puts his face low, scared to even look. And the Lord begins to lay it out. I've seen the affliction of your, your family and your people and of my people, he says, in Egypt. I've heard their cry. I know their sorrows. And I'm going to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians. And I'm going to use you. And Moses says, who am I? Who am I that you would call? I can't do this. Who am I that I should go unto Pharaoh and I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? In verse 11 this place God says I'll be with thee and it will be a token unto thee in fact it will be that when you get Egypt or when you get to Egypt and you bring them out you're going to come to this exact mountain and, and, and he doesn't say it here but the idea is I'm going to give you the ten commandments on this exact mountain where you saw the burning bush Moses said yeah but God when I come back to the children of Israel and I tell them that the God of your fathers has sent me to you. They're going to want to know something. They're going to, I haven't been there for 40 years. They know me, if any of them know me, they know me as Pharaoh's son or, or Pharaoh's daughter's son. They're, they're not going to trust me. How am I going to convince them? And God said unto Moses, he said, I am that I am. Tell those children of Israel, I am, hath sent me unto you. That phrase, that name defies description you can look it up in every commentary you want to look it up but it's hard to explain the I am that I am 
I can tell you what Johnny James said, and I've used it at this church before. Johnny James says, it means I, I was who I was, I is who I is, and I will be who I will be. And while that makes a great sermon and, 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 and del- a delivering of a sermon, it really doesn't explain it. About the best way that I know how to dis- explain it is when he said I am. It's the, it's the, the Hebrew uh, word Yahweh. We transliterate it into Jehovah. But what it means is simply I am. And then whatever blank you want to fill in, it works. I am God. I am. Are you a healer? I am. Are you a deliverer? I am. Are you the one that flung the stars into space? I am. Are you the one that walks on the waters? I am. Are you the one that delivers? I am. Are you the one that made me? I am. Are you the one that's going to get me out of this predicament? I am. And I can hear that thundering. Moses could not quite understand it, but he realized this is the I am that I am. It defies any type of limits. It defies any type of definition that you and I might try to put on him. That's why the songs, sometimes the words, we use the same adjectives to describe because as great as the English language is, it still cannot describe a limitless God. I I could tell you how The psalmist tried. I believe it's David in Psalms 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, for his praise is comely for the upright. Praise the Lord on the harp. Sing unto him on the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. And the word of the Lord is right. And all of his works are done in truth. He loveth righteousness and judgment. And the earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. This is how David had to describe him. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all of the host of them by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea together in a heap. He layeth up the depth in the storehouses. Let all of the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spake and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. I know this is David's song, but if David was today, if David walked in our shoes, if David had our vernacular and our descriptions, he would have gladly stood up and say, my God is awesome. Because that's what David saw. My God can move mountains. My God can move the sea. My God is the I am. You and I have to make sure Thank you, Sister Buford, for the way you so eloquently put it. May we never let church become mundane. That the miracles of salvation and the miracles of provision and the miracles of healing become ho-hum to us. But may I ever stand in the presence of God with that understanding of great is the Lord. On a flip note, another side. How many of you know that verse? Uh, uh, I think it's, it, 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 it's Isaiah chapter 6. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and his, and his train, or, or I saw the Lord high and lifted up, uh, seated on the throne, and his train filled the temple. Did you know that there's a great irony in that chapter? Does anybody know who King Uzziah was? The King Uzziah, and I, I don't have it in my notes. I was going to put it and it didn't get there. But if you begin to research in Second Chronicles, King Uzziah took the throne at age 16 and served for some 50 years. He was one of the longest serving kings for a while. 
King Uzziah did good. For a while, he, he was a godly king. He stopped the, the idolatry that was going on. But if you read 2 Chronicles, you will find that there was a moment in which Uzziah said, I'm such a great king. I'm going to go into the temple and I'm going to offer incense unto the Lord. You couldn't just walk into the temple. The temple proper was reserved for the Levitical priesthood. Those that had been called out all the way back in Exodus and Leviticus and Deuteronomy. Only those that were of the lineage of Aaron. Only those that had been cleansed and there were proper rituals and protocols. No, not, no one could just walk in. In fact, you could find that, that the, the, the priest there, he had an entire group of other priests. And they were warrior priests. If you read Deuteronomy and Leviticus and, and Exodus, you will find that God allotted for that. There were priests that guarded the temple. And these warrior priests, they said, you can't do that. And the king, Uzziah, the king that wanted to be a priest, God said, I'll show you. And while he swung that censer of strange fire, Leprosy began to break out all over him and so that they had to send him out of the, te- of the, of the uh, camp and for the rest of his life he lived in exile and, and so you have this great irony the king who thought he could be a priest Isaiah says in the year that that king who thought more highly of himself in the year that he died I saw the one true king seated on the throne but he was also in the temple Stick with me with Hebrews. That would make a whole lot more sense later. But that's the God we serve. He's both king. He's both priest. He's both Lord. And invariably you and I might say, but who am I? I love that verse in Psalms 26. I'm sorry, Psalms 22, verse 6. The psalmist says, but I am a worm. And no man, I'm a reproach of men despised of the people. And it was, I believe, Isaac Watts that pinned, Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my heart, it rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight and now I'm happy all the day. If you go and you start researching Isaac Watts in that song, you will find that many, many hymnals after have taken out that word worm and they put a sinner such as I. Or some of them have even gone so far to change it to say as such a one as I. But Isaac Watts put what he meant to put in that song. I am just a worm, a speck, a mere mortal in the presence of God. When I consider work of thy fingers, the moon, the stars. What is man that thou art mindful of him? It was Isaiah 51 that said this way, hearken ye to me, you that follow after righteousness, you that seek the Lord. Look down into the rock where you were hewn and the hole of the pit where you were dug. And to begin to understand that, you've got to realize that God Almighty from the very creation of man stooped down to an earth and he picked up dust and he picked up clay and he formed man. God at the very beginning stooped down 
for you and I. He used what we consider the lowest of materials to form that complex body. How in the world could anybody believe in evolution? How could anybody ever believe that, that some primordial swamp in the distant past could make you and I and everything that you and I are? Every atom, every cell, every the, the, the oxygen, the carbon, the, the hydrogen, the nitrogen, the calcium, the phosphorus, the potassium, the sulfur, the sodium, the magnesium, the copper and zinc and selenium and molybdenum and fluorine and chlorine and iodine and manganese and cobalt and iron and lithium and stromium and aluminum and silicon and lead and van, vanadium and, and arsenic and bromine. Those are all part of the makeup of your life. In your body, you've got 206 bones, 6 quarts of blood, 10 major organs, systems, 50 million cells. You've got over 60,000 miles of blood vessels, over 100,000 hairs, most of you. 46 chromosomes, over 600 muscles, 45 miles of nerves. And somebody says it just happened. About, about as, as good as a bunch of monkeys with typewriters forming and typing the works of Shakespeare but you cannot get a final product as complex as our human body unless you have a creator and from the beginning of time he stooped down and he made you we're fearfully the psalmist said this way we're fearfully and wonderfully made one person wrote this to describe the better the cook the better the meal, the better the artist, the better the painting, the better the potter, the better the pot, the better the teacher, the better the student, the better the engineer, the better the bridge, the better mechanic, a better car, a better craftsman, a better craft. The quality of the creator determines the quality of the creation. And even though I'm just a worm, I'm still created in the image of God. Oh, there's been a lot of things that have transpired since that moment where God reached down and picked up a hunk of dirt and formed Adam. There's a lot of water under the bridge. There's a lot of sin that's gone. There's a lot of trials and tribulations that have gone. But can I tell you that just as the Creator one day walking on the streets of Jerusalem found a blind man and he said, what do you want? I want to be healed. He said, all right, hold on. And he reaches down in the dust and he spits on the dust and he makes mud and he puts it on the eyes of the blind man. And he says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And the man goes and washes and he can see. I know it's disgusting and we always say, why in the world would he ever do something like that? He was just grabbing some stem cells. He was just taking what he made you out of anyway. And he put it back in. Can I tell you, as great as God is, He can come into your life. In fact, it's, the, it, it's uh, the, the psalmist that said in Psalms 40, I waited patiently on the Lord. He inclined unto me and He heard my cry. He brought me out of a horrible pit, out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock. He established my goings. He put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. That old song begins to ring in your ears. You begin to realize there's a lot of songs written after the Psalms. 
He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. And he put a song in my soul today. A song of praise. Hallelujah. That word miry comes from a Hebrew word, yavin, which is dregs or mud. If, if I could help you, if you ever made real coffee, not, not the Keurig, although it's good and we use it. But if you ever made real coffee and you put those grounds in, a, in, in a, a coffee filter or something and you pour the water on it and good stuff goes out and you get your, black, your, your cup of black coffee. But that, that dregs, that remains, you know, you pick up that old filter and you throw it away. That's what it says. It's the most undesirable part. It's the sediment in a liquid that when the liquid is sat for a while, it settles to the, bo- to the bottom. And, it, and, and, and so if you, in the Bible, it uses the word uh, wine. And, and, and wine, of course, you, you can see it in grape juice and things like that. But you let grape juice sit long enough on a shelf, it'll begin to separate. And the, 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 the sediment will lay, lay on the bottom. And no one wants to drink that. That's what you and I was. The dust that it says we were made out of. The Hebrew word is afar. It's dust, it's ashes, it's ground, it's rubbish, it's mortar, it's powder. All of that is there. There's nothing good about the dust and the dirt. It it would seem like that clay and that dust holds no promise for our creation, no promise for that. You sweep up the dust in your home. You clean up the dust when it gets there, but God reached down and you say, who am This is the problem with you and I and human beings. We tend to only see the dregs and the trash and the dirt. And it's hard to comprehend that anything could ever come from that. You don't believe me? They said of Jesus, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I mean, they're low down there. They're not even really smart. They're they're hillbillies. They're rednecks, if you will. They they, they don't have a lot of schooling. Nothing's going to come from there. But Jesus did it because he wanted to show you and I that the great I am can stoop down to the who am I and change a life. Brother Pastorella, he... Is he still the head of Spirit and Freedom, I think? The head of Spirit and Freedom Ministries, uh, which is a, a, a organization within the United Pentecostal Church that deals with addictions and, and alcoholism. And they've got radio broadcasts and teaching lessons. Brother Fred Hyde, I believe, uh, started that. And, then, and his passing, the, the baton fell to Brother Pastorella. In 2008, at a Louisiana district conference, the way that our organization operates is once a year there's a district conference it's usually a state some some states are too small and there's multiple states that come together but there's district conferences all of the licensed ministers that can will gather there at that district conference and it's pastors and evangelists and assistant pastors and 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 those that have received their license those that have gone through the application process and they've if you will gotten the stamp of a of a board that says you're you're okay weeds out those that that don't measure up but at this district conference where they're going to vote on on business they did a devotion brother pastorella he stood up there was 132 ministers 
in, in this conference. And he said, I want you to stand. If you were ever addicted to drugs or ever addicted to alcohol, and out of those pastors and evangelists and assistant pastors, 25 men stood. Proof that God can take the dregs of society and not just clean them up, but ordain them to preach the gospel. Listen to me carefully. My God doesn't just take trash. He doesn't just salvage trash. Some of you, I, I love the, the, the time we live in. Pinterest is awesome. Y'all got trash all in your house that you, what are they, what's the word I'm looking for? Not resalvage, repurposed. Repurposed. You went and bought that 1970s dresser that they gave you because nobody wanted it. And you splashed a coat of paint on it. Now you're so proud of that. You tear out pallets and you make things out of pallets, Brother Andy. And your wife is so excited, but you made her something out of trash. I mean, come on. Go to Rothman Furniture. But listen to me carefully. God doesn't just salvage us. God doesn't just rescue us. God doesn't just clean us up to, to wear His name, but He cleans us up to bear His name. He cleans you up so that you can go out and tell somebody else when the great I am comes down to the who am I? You and I become something great. He said, I didn't clean you up just to be filled with my spirit, but I cleaned you up to let my spirit flow out of you into someone else. Again, let me tell you, God didn't just reach down in dirt and repurpose it. He transformed it. What was inanimate, muddy clay became a body, flesh and blood, and he breathed into it, and you and I had life created something new and this is the beauty of the great I am going back to that song what condescension why in the world would he leave heaven to come here God doesn't become dirty by handling the dirt the dirt becomes clean in connection with him God doesn't become unholy because he reached down into your life but rather you and I in the cesspool of sin sin is vanquished when it comes in contact with the risen Savior he was the only one that could touch a leper and he would no longer be and he, would, he wouldn't be unclean anyone else that touched a leper they had to be kicked out of the camp but God could touch a leper and the leprosy had to flee God right now can reach into your situation. He can breathe life into your dusty life. He can look into your dirty situation and he can bring new life that appears. And I sat in my office. I told you I was going down some old songs. And I was listening to Brother Merle Ewings. I almost sung it, but there's no way I can do this one. But I listened to Merle Ewings sing he saw me and it's that phrase in there that says 
standing out there in God's tomorrow. He felt a strange compassion as close to love as pain can be. He saw me. He saw me in his likeness. He saw me just like him. He saw me pure and clean and holy, spotless white within. But he saw me bound with heavy chains and he longed to set me free. But he knew if I was to become like him, he must become like me. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. I've told you over this year, the Bible to me becomes circular. In the beginning of time, God reached down to earth and he picked up dirt and he made man. And in Bethlehem, God came back down to earth and he became like you and I so that one day I could become like him. This is what happens when the great I am meets the who am I. I don't deserve it. I'm not worthy. I think sometimes he made a grave mistake. But at the end of it all, I'm his. Because he first love me. Would you stand across this building? Come on, I think somebody needs to just let the presence of the Lord just kind of overwhelm you for a moment. It's alright to be in all of his glory but you need to understand he loves you more than you can ever imagine I'm going to open these altars for us to come in his presence you don't have to come with your head bowed down you don't have to come with guilt and shame it doesn't matter if you've sinned and come short of his glory the great I am is here for the who am I would you come in Jesus name for thou 